It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by PrizePix. PrizePix is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week. You might be already in it. It might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On your Monday episode of Locked On Raptors, we continue player review season with a look at Pascal Siakam and his brilliant season. What caused him to become the player he became this season? The sort of peak version of Pascal Siakam. We'll dig into that, our biggest positive takeaways from his season. We'll talk about what, if anything, needs work going into next year. Plus, we've got our stat of the year, the play of the year, and the outlook for 2022-23. All coming up on today's player review episode of Locked On Raptors with Vivek Jacob from Raptors.com. Oh, like, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot kind of this. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on? Welcome to episode number 1174 of Locked On Raptors for Monday, May the... Who knows? I have a new computer, Vivek, and I used to have a calendar that I could see on my computer, but I now I have a Mac, and it doesn't have the date. It just says Monday, and that doesn't help me at all for these purposes. And so I'm Monday, sure May 9th. It's Monday, May 9th. Thank you for stepping in to help me. My brain is soup. I have no idea what is up and down, but that's okay. Uh, I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter as always, at WoodleySean. You can find the show at Locked on Raptors, where you can find links to every single episode of the podcast. You can also go and follow, subscribe to, rate, review the podcast on all your favorite podcast apps for the low, low price of On the House. You can also go to YouTube and join the nearly 2,000 people who have subscribed over there to see my mug and my guests far better looking mug uh all, all the time every day on the uh on the youtube side of things so thank you for doing that and thank you for making us your first listen of the day all right on today's show we are talking pascal siakam the best player on the toronto raptors this season we're going to review his season in depth we of course have already reviewed the seasons of scotty barnes that was back on thursday and then i talked about chris boucher on friday's show if you want to go check those out but we're talking pascal today and digging into a truly 
really wonderful, very satisfying season to watch if you are a longtime Pascal Siakam supporter, believer, defender, what have you, like I think my guest and I are. Uh, so let's get to it. Uh, welcome in. Vivek Jacob from Raptors.com. How's it going, pal? It's good. It's good. Had a good weekend. Had a refreshing weekend. That's um, good. Happy belated Mother's Day to the moms. And mm-hmm. Shout out uh, to the moms. <laughs> Yeah, ready to talk some Pascal. How could you not be, frankly? Uh, just a little behind the curtain. I'm a mess today. Vivek's been just watching me struggle and put together the show and not really know what I'm doing. I don't know. I did not have a refreshing weekend. Things are busy now. and You have to do things on weekends. And frankly, I don't care for it. Anyway, let's get to it and let's dive in to the season of Pascal Siakam. A bit of a refresher on what he did this year over the course of uh come on basketball reference don't do this to me now uh over the course of 68 games of course missed the first 10 games with his shoulder injury missed a few other games with COVID and a couple other things throughout the season but 68 games of very reliable dependable basketball ended up leading the nba in minutes per game at 37.9 got that bold on basketball reference for the rest of time to know that he did that 22.8 points 8.5 boards 5.3 assists uh all of those or sorry the uh rebounds and the assist career highs his point total was 0.1 lower than his career high from the 2019 20 or yeah 2019-20 season where he made all nba he shot 49% from the field, 34% from three. He shot 53% on twos. Had some struggles at the line that were a little bit inexplicable. 75% for the season, uh, which kind of cut into his true shooting percentage, but finished with a 56.5 true shooting percentage on pretty high usage as the highest usage guy on the team at 25.8 usage rate. He was very good, Big V. Uh, let's dig into the way we tar- we start these player review episodes off with every player we talk about. What was your biggest positive takeaway from Pascal Siakam this season? So the biggest takeaway is just the joy that he played with. I think sure. right from the get-go at, at media day, you could just see there was an openness and frankness with which he was speaking. There was a smile on his face. Um... And I I remember writing uh, back then about media day takeaways and saying, hey, Pascal seems to be enjoying himself. He he seems a lot more comfortable and open chatting with the media. That's not something we saw uh, last year and seems like it might portend to good things for the season. Um, And he had a great season. He had a spectacular season. He had fun the whole way through. Uh, He talked uh, at that media day about, you know, not necessarily being uh, a natural uh, vocal leader. Um, yeah. He's someone that leads by example, but he wanted to be more of um, a vocal leader, wanted to be someone that, you know, communicated more uh, with the younger teammates and whatnot. And so he talked about texting uh, the young guys during the summer and checking up on them and that type of thing. And then we saw that carried through uh, the season as well. We saw Justin Champagne talk about him. We saw... Uh, Gary Trent Jr. at the end of the season talk about how he uh, took so much away from Pascal's day-to-day approach. Uh, Nick Nurse commended him for you know how he'd play 40 minutes one night and drop 30 and 10 and 5 and whatever. And the next day he's in the gym at 8 a.m. Uh, and he's there uh, enjoying the work. It's not like you know, he's showing up and it's like, oh, I got to do this. You know, it's yeah. he's having fun doing it. And so that is my biggest takeaway. 
Yeah, and I think that that sort of joy kind of leads to my biggest takeaway, which is that playing with such joy this season, figuring out, you know, all of the sort of, you know, the the, the weird sort of flaws in his game that, that kind of existed and really were over, over-exaggerated, I think, from the outset. But, you know, kind of fixing those refiner and refining parts of his game through that joy he ended up answering, I think, every question that you could have had about him coming into the season if you're the Raptors front office. And to me, this season really kind of put a stamp on, oh, Pascal Siakam is part of the core. There is no moving Pascal Siakam because he plays the same position as Scotty Barnes. Like, he's he's here. He's going he's gonna to be around, and they should be extending him. They should be making him part of this thing going forward because... He's an excellent basketball player, and excellent basketball players don't just fall from the sky, and the Raptors have a really, really good one on their hands in Pascal Siakam. You know, coming into the season, what did you want to see? You wanted to see a return of sorts of the three-point shooting. It came back a little bit. It wasn't like he was bombing 48% out there, but he was 34 35%. He, I think he kind of dipped in the bat, like the final week of the season from when he was at about 36 because he had a couple of wonky games. That's fine. You know, he became this sort of otherworldly playmaker as well. Like, he's not on the level of, say, a Nikola Jokic or, you know, the, the best playmakers in the NBA, but he's in that next tier, I would argue, like right below that first upper crust of playmakers in the NBA. And the numbers back it up. We'll get to that in the stat of the day, in the very stat of the year, at the very end of the show. But he just was an all encompassing, totally in control player on offense. And then he coupled that with a huge bounce back on the defensive end as well. And I always thought that even in his worst moments, Think back to the bubble, for example, against Boston, where his offense was miserable. I still thought his defense in that series was outstanding, and it's always kind of been a thing he can lean on and a thing that makes him a valuable player even when his offense isn't totally humming along. And to the point of like the leadership you were talking about, what he did on defense this season, he was the captain of the Raptors' defense. He was screaming at dudes when they were out of position and when they were making mistakes. He was calling the guys to account when they were not executing the scheme. He always seemed to be in the right place. He always seemed to be there to clean things up. He was just everywhere, man. He was just such a fun, fun player to watch this season, a really satisfying player arc to sort of see unfold as well. And you would assume it's only going to continue in the positive trajectory going into next season as well. Like, you're on the same boat, right? Like, he is part of the, the answer. He's part of the next great Raptors team. He's part of the core. You're pairing him with Scotty Barnes and trying to set that thing up, at least for the next few years, to try to see how, you know, what you can do in the early part of Scotty Barnes' career when he's still on his rookie contract, right? No question about it. I mean, we always put these imaginary, I mean, like the collective we, the imaginary yeah. ceilings on players. And so I think people are looking at, the whole, you know, Scotty's 20, Pascal's 28, and saying, oh, that's too much of a gap. But also, the other way you have to look at it is uh, Pascal is someone who takes care of his body. Obviously, things can happen where you get hurt and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And that's out of your control. But um, I expect him to maintain his level of fitness. You look at what he's able to give on the offensive end as well as the defensive end. I expect that to continue for years to come. And so when you look at it from that perspective, he's just turned 28 a month ago. Um, I would expect him to be able to play at a high level uh, for at least the next five years, uh, possibly seven, right? So in that five to seven range, that's that's a long time. That's a good enough time to be part of you know the process now and going forward. And so that's the way I look at it. And so uh, any stuff about you know needing to break it up, 
you know, un- unless you get to a. But they need depth, where... Big V. You got to trade them for depth <laughs> or some shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like uh, unless you get to a point where you're literally just running into the same wall, like you yeah. did with. Um, and I think that's part of it too, right? People sure. on some level are maybe just afraid of seeing the seeing what happened with the we the north era where you're just running into that same brick wall over and over again uh yeah. that was lebron james um but i don't think you can approach it the same way right especially when there is the parody that there is in the league right now and mm-hmm. so uh i think pascal and scotty can be an absolutely tremendous duo uh and i think they both want that to be the case which <laughs> is probably the most important thing in hindsight, it's hilarious that we view running into the brick wall that was LeBron James as like some sort of like negative thing. It's like, oh yeah, they're the team that happened to run into them every year. Like that they were the team that like consistently made it far enough to play them and get, you know, spanked by LeBron. Like, yeah, you run into that wall, but then you kiss and bow that like kiss that wall and bow to it because it's LeBron freaking James. And you just say, Well, good job, Wall. You did your job. Uh <laughs> either way. I'll, I'll push back a little bit there. I, I think it's about how it's, it's about how you yeah, uh, that's do fair. it too, right? Like yeah, when yeah. when the Pacers can take them to seven, when the Celtics can take them to seven, and you get swept, you know. Yeah, yeah. the 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 2018 series will always be the one that uh, stands out. The one where they referenced, "Oh man, if not for Game One, after every single game after Game One, you knew they were doomed, man. It was just it's never going to turn around for them. They were broken by those missed tippins by JV." Um, yeah. But yeah, Pascal Siaka, man, a really, really incredible season. He's around, you know, Samson Folkwater wrote a great piece sort of saying, hey, like Barnes and Siakam is a duo now. Like, and that's just sort of like the future you go forward with. Everything revolves around that duo. I agree. The whole timeline thing is just such a weird and sort of narrow way of viewing team building and it really just kind of screams of like people who just need things to be organized in their brains and it's like well if everyone's 23 it makes sense to me and my brain works but no that's not how it works that's not how most great teams are built and having a guy who's eight years older than another guy is like not some slight against the team or anything like that it's actually kind of a way you ensure long-term sustained success, which is kind of the whole Raptors thing is what they're trying to achieve here is long-term sustained success that doesn't just fizzle out when the one era of 20-year-olds ages out of your team. So yeah, Pascal's around and that is a damn good thing. I want to hear no Pascal trade rumor nonsense this offseason. We won't be entertaining it in the slightest on this show, so you don't have to worry about that. Uh, we're going to continue on. We're going to get into the stuff that might need some work from Pascal Siakam going into next season. Areas that he can improve, areas he can refine and touch up just a little bit. There's not a whole lot of negative to dig into from this year, but we'll do our darndest in just one sec. Uh, but first, I want to tell you about our friends over at betonline.net, your number one source for all of your sports betting stats and info. You can find all the latest developments, league reviews, and nudes, including this year's basketball playoffs, Major League Baseball. And with the Kentucky Derby down, you know there's two more big horse races, the Belmont and the Preakness. I think those are what they're called. But if you are a horse person who knows what those races are called, you can go and get your information and figure out who you should be putting your money on when those races come across the schedule. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering information from live betting. You got the playoffs, esports, you've got Vegas casino games, so much more. Head to the website, use your mobile device. Device, learn more about the trends and the action. Bet online is where the game starts. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. 
Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And we continue on your first listen of the day here, digging into the season that was for Pascal Siakam. Uh, I want to continue the thread of positivity for one second, and then we'll get to the stuff that needs work. Probably not going to be that long a segment, but to kind of carry over the talk of Pascal and sort of, you know, setting up the long term of him hopefully being in town, I have an interesting question for you, Big V. Uh, This was sort of a thing that was brought up this year, um, you know, near the end of the season, as it looked like Pascal might make all NBA. uh, And it's something I'm going to have to reckon with. And I'm very excited to do so when I write my annual ranking every Raptor piece uh, updated for this season. Uh, Is Pascal Siakam now a better Toronto Raptor than Chris Bosh? Um, man, uh, you put me on the spot here. I'm gonna have to. Double I know, check I know. Bosch's <laughs> accomplishments um, as a raptor. I, I do think that he's uh, got to a point where um, he's a better player mm-hmm. uh, than what Chris Bosch was in Toronto. I'm just trying to look back on the accomplishments while he was in Toronto. So. Chris Bosch he was made, all rookie. He made one all NBA team. Yes. Um, 06, 07. The year they made the, they're the three seed. The Sam Mitchell coach of the year year. A very weird season. Yeah. <laughs> and he made one, two, three, four, five, six, five all star teams. Five all star teams with the Raptors. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> so I mean, the, the stats case is yeah. in Bosch's favor. Like, Morgan's yeah. played. 20.2 a game, 9.4 boards, 2.2 assists. Siakam yeah. is at, as of right now, 400 career games. He's at uh, 19. Oh, that's per 36. He's at uh, 15.7, 6.3, 3.1. So the stats case is very much in Bosch's favor. Um, but I would argue, like you said, that Siakam is a better overall basketball player, sort of a more sort of obvious guy you can build a winning team around than Chris Bosch was during his time in Toronto. And look, a lot yep. of this is they built a horrible team around Chris Bosch and it was not all his fault and he left for good reason. Uh, yep. <laughs> but like, I, I guess it comes down to, you know, playoff success. Bosch made two playoff series, won two playoff games in, in his entire time with the team, or I guess three. They lost to five to the to the Magic, so three total playoff wins and two appearances. Um, you know, Siakam had hit the game-winning shot in the literal clinching game of the NBA Finals. They the, the kind of not made the same in the accomplishments department. Siakam is likely, possibly going to be a two-time All-NBA guy now, most improved player. Um I don't know. It, it, answer in the chat if you'd like, Chris Bosch or Pascal Siakam. I think I lean Pascal because I'm less of a sort of adhering to the overall numbers case. And also, Chris Bosch had one season where he scored more than Siakam did in either 2019-20 or this season, if we're just going on a per points-per-game basis as well. so Right. It's, yeah. it's a tricky one, man. Uh, yeah. I, no, I think he's right there. I mean, the thing we know is it's just... If it, even if it's not now, it's just a matter of when. Yeah, it, it, like not... we're going to be talking about Siakam versus Demar within a couple of years, I would argue. Like that's yeah. the track he's on. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I think Pascal has surpassed the player that Chris Bosh was. Um, in terms of the accomplishments, I think that's where it gets tricky because um, Bosh never ha- ha- had any of the teams that Pascal got, yeah. got to be on. Yeah, right. And, yeah. Um, I bet he would have loved to have that type of talent on his team. 
uh, on any of those teams. So yeah, Bosch said he spent his whole career playing with Tampa rosters. Like, yeah, <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. So that's where I kind of lean to just giving that bit of respect. Um, and I think the other thing you kind of got to note here is, you know, he made those five all-star teams and he left when he was uh, going into his age 26 season. Right. Yeah. So uh, he did a lot while he was still very, very young. Um, yeah. uh, so um, it's probably neck and neck at this point. Um, and I think it's perfectly fair to give Pascal the edge. Um, but, you know, I, I got nothing but love and respect for what Chris Bosch did as a Toronto Raptor. Um, mm-hmm. I think I've spoken about that before. And yeah. I think he gets an unfair uh, knock uh, because of uh, the management in place. And you put a guy that talented next to Hita Turkaloo, and, you know, <laughs> this is what that's what you're going to get in terms of team accomplishments. And then, yeah. you know what, man? Like, even if Jorge Garbajosa is able to stay healthy, I, I think they probably find a way to win that net series in the first round. And, you know, yeah. who knows? Maybe, maybe things play out differently from there. Nothing against the god Jorge Garbajosa, but if like that's the swing piece for Chris Bosch's playoff career with the Raptors, that is uh, some somber stuff, man. <laughs> well, I mean, you have to go from him to starting Joey Graham, right? Well, at least yeah, uh, I think uh, Luke Jackson played in that do. series. Yeah, it was uh, Joey Graham's going to figure it out next year. It's coming. Uh, <laughs> it's on the way. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, yeah. It's definitely stay tuned for ranking every Raptor later this summer as I uh, try to answer that question. But I think I'm leading Pascal for now because I don't care about tradition, I suppose. Also, Brian Colangelo should be paying Chris Bosch royalties for the the hurt that he did to his reputation in Toronto for assembling those god-awful teams around him. Um, Let's get to the stuff that Pascal can work on for next season, Big V. Uh, Not a ton, I would argue. Like, he was a pretty all-encompassing, awesome player this year. Uh, You know, all NBA guys don't have a ton to work on, typically, but is there one area you'd like to see maybe a bit of a refinement, a bit of an uptick in production from Pascal going into next season? Yeah, for sure. I think just continuing to extend his range. Um, You know, the very best players in the league have a level of gravity at every level of the floor. And so um, he shot 37% uh, between 16 feet and the three-point line. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think when you look at his non-corner three shooting, he was at 32%. Uh, and so I think those are areas when he's looking at his off season, he was great around the basket. He was great on the edges of the paint. And that is something that I would like to see him uh, continue to work on and improve. The playmaking is great. Uh, he's making the right reads uh, pretty much uh, most of the time. So no real issues there. Um, the, the dribble can always get tighter. Uh, and so, I think those things, uh, especially, you know, if, you, if he's able to tighten the dribble to the point where he's more comfortable as a pull-up shooter as well. Yeah, um, yeah. In terms of uh, the pull-up shooting, he was uh, at 26% on pull-up threes, and mm-hmm. he was at 40% on pull-up twos. So yeah. uh, those are the areas that I would pinpoint for him to continue to work on. 
Yeah, I would say like that mid-range area, as much as he was really good from there this season, which he, he was, it's, you know, going to be a thing he has to lean on going forward. And, you know, the 16 foot to three point range, I would argue is almost even more important for him than three point range, just because that usually the spot that he's finding himself in when he runs into that wall of defenders that he's typically seeing. Uh, and, you know, he shot 37.1% from 16 feet to three point range down from 41% last year, actually. Uh, and he was 44% from that range on very small volume back in his most improved season in 18, 19. So yeah, like just kind of refining that. I mean, he shot uh, 71, 72% at the rim this season. He was 50% from three to 10 feet. Like he's got that stuff locked down. It's just a matter of uh, refining that sort of longer mid range. And that's what all stars kind of got to do, right? Like they, they have to figure out where to score in the pockets where the defense is trying to funnel you because it's the hardest place to score from and sort of that that's the next step and I also wonder like I, I do think there might be some help sort of on the way when it comes to his three-point shooting just in terms of the quality of looks he's getting because if you envision a world which Scotty Barnes kind of has the ball in his hands a little bit more next season maybe it's sort of like an inverse effect where Siakam gets all these guys so many open looks because he draws so much attention maybe you start to see something similar with Scotty Barnes who's just such a monster to try to deal with he gets going downhill there's very little you can do about him and there's already kind of like a, a player to try to replicate on the Raptors roster for Scotty Barnes when it comes to how you deal with that extra attention and he's such a brilliant passer I can only imagine the number of times that like Pascal's going to find himself with a perfect look right in the shooter's pocket because Scotty Barnes has set him up. So uh, there might be some help coming in that department. It'd be cool if he could kind of recapture the shooting chart he had back in 2019-20 where he was kind of pulling up bombs from three and you know the percentages weren't as high as sort of the aesthetics might have suggested but uh you know he he did alter his shot chart that season pretty substantially and was a, a big driver of why he was an all-nba player that year um so yeah i mean it really like you could say oh maybe he refines like the the, the assist to turnover a little bit but he's like a two-to-one guy with the amount of usage he has like what are you supposed to do like he's, he's doing really well in that department as well with the ball security too uh, we're going to continue on here and we're going to dig into the final segment, which is, of course, the stat of the year, play of the year, and outlook for 2022-23 for Pascal Siakam. That's coming up in just one sec. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at Built.com. Built Bar, baby. They got the best tasting protein bars in the world, and I really recommend you check them out. I like to have my Built Bars as a breakfast replacement. I'm not a heavy breakfast person. I don't like having a big, full stomach all day long, but a nice Built Bar in the morning is a great way to power me through. And if I'm going for a workout, say in the afternoon or around lunchtime or whatever it might be, then it can help me power through that as well. With the 17 grams of protein you're finding in the typical Built Bar, I got to tell you, man, I was skeptical when Built Bar first came along. And we're like, hey, we taste like candy bars. You should try us. And I was like, okay, protein bar, you're not going to taste like a candy bar. But actually, the it really just kind of tastes like a Mars bar, honestly. Like, that's like the sort of texture and feel you get. If you like a Mars bar, you're going to love what you get in a Built Bar when you bite into that bad boy. And they have tons of flavors. So... Maybe you want like a nutty chocolatey flavor. You can get that. Maybe you want something more fruit flavored. You can do that as well. They have them all available for you. They got their built puffs as well. And every single one of their bars is covered in 100% real dark chocolate. They are great. Go to built.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your order. That's the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner. And Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA. 
available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And we continue on and round out the show with the final segment here on Pascal Siakam. We will begin with our stats of the year. These are under a veil of secrecy before the podcast. We do not reveal what the stat is beforehand. I did kind of reveal what the stat was for Vivek on my end beforehand because uh, I was talking about it before the show like a moron, but I have no idea what Big V's stat of the year is. So let's go with you first. What is your stat of the year for Pascal Siakam? Well, the cat's kind of already out of the bag. Um, Pascal Siakam, <laughs> uh, for me, the stat uh, of the year is shooting 49.8% from the 3 to 10 foot range. Mm-hmm. Um, that is a career high, um, even better than the 2018-19 season where he shot 47% from that 3 to 10 foot range. And I think uh, having that to go to when, you know, getting right to the basket is taken away from him was huge. Um, it was, you know, the highest frequency uh, range in terms of his shooting this season at 34%. So I think that was uh, super inf- important for him to be able to elevate in that area. He was at 38% for 2019-20. He was at 42% uh, in the Tampa season. So to get that all the way up to pretty much 50% uh, shooting from that 3 to 10-foot range, uh, was great to see. And so mm-hmm. uh, I think that's such a huge part of his game. Uh, and that's where, again, the more he's able to extend uh, the the range of shooting 50% from, uh, the tougher he's going to be. Because at the end of the day, the more defenses say, hey, this is what we're okay with, and the more he's able to say, well, this is what I'm okay with too, uh, <laughs> at, at a certain point, the defenses are just going to have to shrug their shoulders and say, well, he's impossible. Yeah. My stat of the year is along the same lines of Pascal kind of always knowing what to do in response to what the defense was throwing at him. And it is 31.5, which is the percentage uh, of possessions on which Pascal Siakam was double teamed this season per NBA court optics. Uh, It was the 11th highest figure in the entire NBA. The Raptors had two guys in the top 11. Fred VanVleet was eighth as well. And the Raptors scored 1.2 points per possession on possessions where Siakam was doubled in the regular season. That would be the best offense in the NBA. He was every bit the engine of what the Raptors did this year. And the playmaking when he saw extra attention was a big reason for it. And he did this on a team where there wasn't exactly like a bounty of shooting, right? And and in the postseason, similar numbers in terms of the percentage of times he was doubled uh, per NBA court optics. Let me just pull it up here to be exact. Over the course of six playoff games, he was doubled on 30.5 possessions or percent of of possessions. And and they scored at 0.95 points per possession. 100 possession sorry points per possession which you know kind of speaks to the bad shooting the you know the eight of 34 the seven of 29 or whatever the hell they were shooting from three over the course of that entire series it seemed that all kind of plays into that so yeah just an incredible understanding of what the defense was doing and not forcing the issue right if you think back to the bubble right which is kind of where the whole turning point of pascal's career really began it, he had no idea what to do when he saw double teams. He was just trying to go up and be the hero and score through those double teams and was missing as a result from that three to 10 foot range pretty regularly. And now he's figured out, okay, like I'm a good enough passer. I have good enough cutters around me. I have enough guys to play off of me that I can make these plays. and don't have to do everything myself. And just the mere 
fact that I've drawn this extra attention is kind of all I have to do to get good shots for others. So uh, really, really impressive stuff from Siakam in the handling double teams department. And you would assume it's only going to get better if they, you know, improve the shooting around him going into next year as well. Any quick thoughts on that before we move to our play of the year, Big V? Yeah, the playmaking was huge. Uh, and and that, you know, recognition, uh, being able to understand where the help is coming from, anticipating where it's coming from. And um, I think he what he also did a really good job was that uh, opened things up for him around the paint was there were times where he could see that the help was coming uh, from the big who was waiting mm-hmm. inside. And he'd almost time it with when they're 2.9ing. Yeah, yeah, uh, and it'll be like, okay, I know you got to step outside the paint. I I got it right now, right? And he, I think he was uh, really smart in timing that stuff. Uh, and so, uh, I think, yeah, just that overall understanding of how defenses are game planning for him just went to another level this season. Yeah, I mean, like one of my favorite sort of things about watching Siakam play is it does seem like more than most players, he kind of is like a yo-yo master, like just kind of always like he does this with double teams, right, where he kind of knows when the double's coming and he can kind of kind of almost like tease them with the ball and then kind of pull it away and then make a move out of it. Uh, Yeah, yo-yo paw. That's his... uh... God, no, bleep that. I guess I have the power to bleep that. I won't bleep it in. I'll leave it in. Yo-Yo Pa is the new nickname for Pascal Siakam, apparently, even though Yo-Yo Ma is not a yo-yo master and is instead a cellist, but whatever. Who cares? Uh, let's continue on to the play of the year for Pascal Siakam. Just get me his parachute as a knapsack. Let's keep going. Um, what's your play of the year for Pascal? Yeah, so when we did the the team review, I went with the Pascal double block. Uh, yep. I still think that's the play for me, but I think uh, to do something different, uh, I'll keep that as my regular season play, the double block on Jimmy. Um, But there was a moment in the playoffs. uh, Game five, uh, the Raptors go into halftime up 13. Uh, You expected Philly to come out aggressive to open the second half. They cut the lead to eight, and it was just one of those moments where – you were going to see, you know, what kind of lessons Pascal took from that game three second half where it's like, hey, the guy kind of needs to be the guy. And he knocks down, uh, you know, an 18 foot step back jumper. He mm-hmm. uh, knocks down a catch and shoot three. Um, he's, you know, going one on one with Tobias Harris and then knocking down a fadeaway mid range. And that just sort of calmed everyone gave exactly what the team needed in that moment to say, Hey, I'm here. It's going to be okay. Um, And so to me, that was, that was an important growth step that he took. And in typical Pascal fashion, you know, you might look at some might've looked at that second half of game three and it's like, Oh my God, you know, it's going to need another season to learn this, or he's not the guy or this and that. And it's like pretty damn quickly. uh, He showed that he can learn from it. Yeah, I think, you know, we've talked a lot about this season being a fact-finding mission for the Raptors, and I was pretty optimistic about his overall success in the regular season translating well to the playoffs because he had been seeing playoff-like defense all season long just because of the context of the Raptors and the way, he, you know, the sort of way the team was set up around him. And that bore out. Like, he very much carried over pretty much exactly what he did in the regular season to the playoffs. 22.8 points, the exact same 
as his regular season scoring total rebounds down a touch assists up to nearly six a game uh and his true shooting was uh i mean he shot better than what was he on twos he was 52 percent on twos uh he was 48 percent from the field he didn't have a great series from three against the sixers just 24 percent. but his true shooting 55.8 just below the 56.5 we saw in the regular season that is an incredibly good sign i think and it sort of goes to the original takeaway off the top that i had which is yeah the dude is a, a guy on this team going forward like without a doubt like he you have this guy around he can be a playoff performer for you as this sort of high usage guy you get him a little bit extra help and boy like he's he's really fantastic man I, you know i think i came into the season thinking you know he's pretty clearly a number two on a great team I think my my sort of view of that hasn't totally changed. Like, I don't think he's the best player on a championship winning team necessarily, but I think he's a lot closer to that than he was, than I'd ever thought he was after this season, sort of seeing how it all played out and how it translated to the playoffs. And if you get him another 1A in there, <clears throat> Scotty Barnes, uh, you're cooking with fire, man. Um, my play of the year is one where he did not, in fact, score. He had an assist uh, because I think that is kind of an indicative thing. It was at the end of one of the best games he's played all season long. It was against the Denver Nuggets February the 12th. Uh, Pascal at home goes 16 of 22 from the field, 35 points, 10 boards, 7 assists, 2 steals. Uh, really, really incredible stuff from Siakam against Nikola Jokic, the MVP. Uh, we don't need to argue about that today because, boy, oh, boy, that's toxic. But, uh, yeah, Siakam was the best player on the floor in that game. Of course, the Raptors lose it uh, on the end-of-game block by Nikola Jokic, but I think you could very comfortably say Siakam had the most control in that game. And on the final scoring possession the Raptors had. It was 110-106 Denver. Pascal sees a couple bodies at the top of the pick and roll. Fred pops out to the wing. Pascal hits him. Fred knocks down the three. Kind of a perfect embodiment of Siakam's understanding that he doesn't always have to do it himself and that he can use his playmaking and his own personal gravity to create shots for others. And like the Siakam Van Vliet pick and roll that's something that we didn't get to see a whole lot of in the back third of the season, which I think is kind of a shame. We didn't get to see it in the postseason kind of at its peak either, because that was their easiest path to buckets all season long. And I think it's kind of maybe being slept on a little bit that they didn't have that really at their disposal in the playoffs, you know, even before Fred got hurt. Obviously, after he did, they didn't either. But um, that play to me really sums up the sort of Pascal Siakam experience this year. You know, he'd go ahead and, you know, demolish a team for three and a half quarters and then see a ton of attention to close the game. And he was very happy to defer to guys that were getting open looks on his account, which I think was pretty awesome. So that's my play of the year for Pascal Siakam. Maybe a bit of a quiet, underst understated one, but that's on Pascal for not being a louder dunker. I've, I've, this has been my main critique of him his entire career. He's like the least emphatic dunker I've ever seen. Please, sir, I get some weight on those fingers and just start yamming it, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> no, keep that longevity going. You don't need to dunk the ball. Yeah, keep it going until you're 35, whatever <laughs> it is. Um, he, he's we'll, always, we'll always have that dunk on Aaron Gordon. That's true. That's true. Boy, that was great. Uh, Doing he's it for be his a... beloved. <laughs> He's going to be a fun-ass old player, I will say. Like, old 35-year-old, like, post... He's going to be, like, the, the better Boris Diaw one day, I think. It's going to be a true delight to behold. Anyway, let's continue on and get to the outlook for 2022-23. We don't have to stay too long on this one, but what are your expectations? It kind of just, like, you hope that he replicates this season with maybe a little bit more in terms of free throw uh, accuracy and a little bit more in terms of three-point accuracy. Is there something else you want to see from him? What do you got for expectations, outlook for next season for Pascal? Yeah, I think um, he will still be the best player on the team. I think 
uh, he will, uh, you know, put up similar numbers uh, to what he has this season. I think if he can elevate it, uh, you know, great, then that, that'll probably be what we talked about in terms of the improvements from, you know, outside of 10 feet, uh, outside of 15 feet. Uh, and so uh, those are the main things I'm looking for. Uh, his first, you know, fully healthy offseason since uh, post-championship. Uh, so I'm excited for what that uh, development could lead to. Um, mm-hmm. I'm sure he's hungry to uh, get into that MVP conversation. Um, and that will probably be his personal goal. Uh, and so uh, I look forward to it, man. I think I think we're in for another big Pascal season. Yeah, I think, you know, he was sort of a victim of time when he didn't make the All-Star team this year. It seemed like if there were an extra couple of weeks before the voting, he might have actually gotten in. I think he's like a very clear, almost lock to be an All-Star next season if he carries over what he did at the end of this year. Um, you know, All-NBA obviously still on the table. Lots of forwards are coming back from injury, but other guys get hurt. Things happen. Like, it's, it's always kind of... Uh, there's always spots available that you didn't think might be available, but uh, I think, you know, being an all-NBA conversation again, and I think, you know, I'm very interested to watch the sort of simpatico between him and Scotty Barnes and kind of how that relationship develops, because I would like to see Scotty increase the usage a little bit. I agree. I still think Pascal will be the best player on the team by season's end, but I think I'm looking for Barnes to kind of declaratively say, well, I'm number two, and how those guys kind of play off of one another what that looks like as kind of a weird two-headed monster of six, eight ball handlers. Like I'm very excited to see it. Um, and I think it should work pretty well because the chemistry they seem to have is excellent. They're both genius basketball players who seem to know exactly what the other's trying to do. And I look forward to that duo kind of being the star of the show next season. And I frankly can't wait to go check that out. You should also check out Big V's work who uh, you write a lot of stuff, a lot of places. Where can people check out your work here before we get out? Yeah, Raptors.com, CBC Sports, um, and you can follow me on Twitter at Vivek M. Jacob. Hell yeah, you can. You can find me at Woodley Sean. You can subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. It's always appreciated when you go ahead and support the show on audio or on the video on YouTube. If you go do, go do that, you're just going to warm my heart and stroke my ego, which frankly, you should be trying to do all the time if you're a supporter of the show. It's a free podcast. The ego stroking is all we ask for over here. Anyway, let's wrap it there. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll be back again tomorrow. Not exactly sure who's on tomorrow. It might be Katie. Uh, we'll be talking about OG, but we do have Katie Heindel lined up to talk about OG this week. We've got Samson Folk lined up to talk about Precious Achua, and we've got Karina Mustafa lined up to talk about Fred Van Vliet. So it's going to be a loaded week of great guests uh, coming up on the podcast over the next few days. Thank you for tuning in, as always, and we'll talk to you again on Tuesday with another episode of Locked On Raptors. Now, go check out Locked On Leafs as they got real sad after last night's game. Bye-bye! Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.